you have an album in mind when you first started or playing in clubs or what was your plan in well, the that beginning? Was, there was no plan. It was, you know, I want to sit in the studio and make music. I had no intention for it to be public ever. I just want to make something that I like. And basically what I did is the music that I wrote first, I was like, oh, nobody's going to like this. Perfect. And so I just wrote a whole set of songs that I thought, you know, this is for me. I don't care. There's no structure. There's, it's not a pop song. And it was funny. I started playing it for people and, and they just went, this is really great stuff. And I was like, well, no, you're not supposed to like it. You're supposed to hate this. And then that was such a surprise to me, you know, because I had tried to write music that people liked and failed at it pretty, pretty miserably. And then wrote stuff. You know, I remember we were at some, some place and we were playing it over you know the stereo and heather was there and everybody's like what is this music it's like well, well this is just stuff we're playing around with and then we just started putting vocals on it heather's a fantastic singer and she added more vocals and i said well i'll put some vocals down too and then pretty soon we had an album with vocals that people really liked and it was like well maybe we should put this out and so you know um we put it out and then heather's like well we gotta play it live and so it was just it was one incremental step after the end Heather would sort of nudge me in one way and I'd follow and we we just uh it was just it there was no plan so you say you put it out did you self-publish it did you yeah, find so we have someone? our own label uh-huh solo music that that we put together because so much of the ethic of this is DIY and it was you know in 2000 it was possible to digitally distribute music you know you could do it easily right you know a couple years earlier it would have been impossible it's just like why do I want to make five cents or ten cents on a record that I sell when I can make 70 cents in this new model and I can get it on Amazon or iTunes or, or what have you and so it was just like why not you know we have our own studio we didn't have to pay for the time you know we didn't have to hire anybody to engineer it or mix it or master it because you know we did that ourselves so so from the very beginning, then you were you were doing that model, which is really cool. You never had to sign a deal with someone and then wish you hadn't later. Or... We had some some record labels in in San Francisco here who wanted to sign us, and it was just like mm. I kind of got into this music and this kind of band because I got sick of that model, which yeah. I had done earlier. So you've created enough material for an album. You have now produced an album. How did you start building your fan base besides just your friends who said they liked your music and you weren't expecting it? I think that's definitely where partly the live shows helped. We played a lot when we first started playing out. We played at just different places than your traditional, you know, four-piece rock band would play at. Our first gig was at an art gallery, actually. And that was really cool because... We were not using a live drummer. We had a DJ instead. So we didn't take up as much room. So it was bass, guitar, voice, and DJ. And a little bit of keyboard here and there. And uh, we were able to just get into funkier places. Art galleries, more DJ style clubs. We just, you know, we were playing a couple shows a month, I would say. It's also the internet. It was, you know, it was like this magical time, right? You could put your music out and people could buy it all over the world. And websites like mp3.com, we got so many fans from that. It was just that site was so popular back in the day. And it was funny. So we had a show and, and these like eight Japanese dudes show up at the show in San Francisco and they said, oh yeah, we heard you on mp3.com and we were in LA and we drove up to see the show and you're like, wow. Yeah, World Wide Web. That is cool. This band couldn't have started or existed or done what it's done without the internet. 
And yet you probably didn't always know how many fans you had because you're putting it out there, but there's nothing coming back, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't yeah. have that live audience all the time. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, with your website, you can track. And the fun thing for us is over half of our traffic for visitors is outside the U.S. So we knew we had a really strong international base. And, we would, you know, you get fan mail from people in South America. And, you know, there's some guy in China who was trying to put out a record for us it was just it was kind of crazy so right. it's just you hear people and then with social media now you people can contact you you know on twitter right. or what have you people can just find you so easily so well, this was pre-twitter so this is pre-twitter, yeah, yeah definitely it was just um what probably send us an email through our website kind yeah, of stuff it was you know even a few years before myspace so oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was before myspace it was before there was podcasting so we had some web radio i don't even know if um Soma FM was around in no, 2000. I don't, think, I don't so. think it was. No. So all that mm. stuff is just Yeah, it's all happened up. in the last 7 or 8 years, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So your first album was I think pretty trip hoppy, you know. Yeah. Um in that in that kind of um there that sort of dark side sometimes of trip hop that um and actually I think Wikipedia, I saw on Wikipedia it said that you had named the band basically, uh, you know, inspired by Massive Attack. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely, I can hear the Massive Attack influence, you know, in your early stuff. But you don't, I don't think you necessarily stayed on that path. I would not say that right now I would only define your music as trip hop. I would say that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so there's been an evolution over time in the development of your music. Well, obviously, you would expect that with any artist in mm-hmm. 10, 12 years. But how would you define, like, how your music has changed over the years? The funny thing is is we're not like a standard bands where, you know, there's the guitar player and there's the drummer, you know, like U2. There is the U2 sound because of the instrumentation, right? And, um, we don't have that. So we our intention is to create interesting sounds, whether it's synthesizers or real instruments and really manipulate them. But there's no, there's not the karma coded guitar sound or the karma coded drum sound. Like if you listen to the drums, it's just what catches your ear. So it could be a drum machine. It could be a big giant rock drum, or it could be a really interesting synth sound. There's no, it's not the instrumentation. It's, there's sort of, our ears are a karma code of filter. And so it's, there's a consistency, you know, it's us, I think when you hear it, but it's not like, oh, there's Brett playing his Fender guitar. And so that's what we do. So the second record, Evidence, is very soul-oriented. And that was just because those were the sounds that we had in our heads and had available to us. And, you know, we kind of played off that. My feeling is that your the play playing between your two voices to me is is one of the things also that defines your sound mm. the sound of the two of you doing your singing parts together Heather I think your sound I think there's there's a lot of vocal acrobatics that um, that I see you feeling like your strength as a singer like with each album release as you get more comfortable as a singer, and I'm wondering if you ever had stage fright in the beginning or if you were very comfortable in front of an audience from the very start. Yeah, I've been pretty comfortable on stage for a long time. I've been performing since I was very little. So, I of course, I get 
a little bit of nervousness, but I don't get debilitating stage fright or anything like that. It's a pretty comfortable place, actually. I really enjoy it up there. Once I get up there, it's kind of the fight or flight kicks in and it's like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a happy it's a happy home up there. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy it. That's great. What about you, V? Do I like, am I afraid to perform? Not afraid, I? but I mean, do you feel comfortable on stage? It's so yeah. funny in that I, I feel more afraid of just speaking in front of the crowd than I do playing. <laughs> when When we do play, I feel like... The people I'm on stage with, you know, the people in the band, they're just so good that I'm just like, you know, we're, we're just going to kill it. And plus we prepare a lot. It's just like we've never gone on stage, you know, not ready to go on stage. That's one thing that I kind of say. It's like I refuse to go on and suck. It's fun. And it's just the mood of the music too, right? You just right. like sharing it with people. You know, if we were a punk band and we were screaming at people, it might be different. But this is, you know, we try to put on a pretty good, set up a good vibe, right, you know people absorb that and reflect it back at you so it's it's very positive it's hard to to perform live with our configuration i kind of joke it's like setting up like a a space station you know because in some regards rock and roll is easy but you know it's just like we've got laptops and djs and we've got computers and we've got all these crazy electronics and it's there's a lot of wires it's a hassle but um it's fun you know you don't just walk up with a guitar amp plug in and do a show You've had a couple of personnel changes over the mm-hmm. years. Yeah, we've had some personnel changes, and it's mostly, it's never because there's been a fight. Yeah. You know, it's the, yeah. the, 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 it's just that some people say, you know, I want to move on. I want to I want to focus in on this aspect of, of performing. And in recent years, we've actually even opened up. We have our current bass player, Eric Matsuno. Yeah, Eric's been with us for like six years and our uh keyboard player Isaac has been with us for like two years now and he's really fantastic and amazing so and it's also changed their lineup has changed it's reflected what we're interested in as well as where we want to go so you know we don't really have a DJ anymore what we do is we have a keyboard player Isaac who actually uses Ableton Live and then um, controls the beats but then he's a wicked trained piano player so it's less about the beats that a DJ, and it's more about what a piano would do live. And so we've kind of gone away from, you know, what would a DJ provide you in terms of backing tracks, and then what would a bunch of real instrumentalists provide? And actually, last year we we performed live with a live drummer for the first time in, you know, since we started the band. We've had, we've used live drummers on the albums at different times, but we had Bill Shoup come in and play with us in that was absolutely fantastic. And I bet that was fun. It's, I mean, it's really, really great. It's definitely an adventure working out the drums with all of the other electronic elements that have to happen, but he's world-class and uh, just amazing. You have to, you know, we used a drummer probably against my hesitation because everything else has a volume knob. Drummers don't have a volume knob. And drums sound really good when you hit them really hard. And so I've worked with a million drummers and you're just like, please play quieter. And they start quiet. And then by the end of it, you're, you're, you know, your ears are bleeding. But Bill, he's a great bass player. He's a great piano player. He's a great singer. Oh, and by the way, he plays drums really well. So he understands the whole, the whole formula. And so when you say, please play quiet, he does. And, but he's just super talented. So, you know, as Heather said, we, we used him live and, and, you know, we have been using live drummers on the last couple of records because they just add something, right? It's just, that's why we opened it up so that like the, the last record probably had four, five, six guest musicians on it. Eternal? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like guitar players and keyboard players and now singers. We, you know, we work with Beth Hirsch and Angie B on one track Oh, that's too. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of at the point where we know so many cool people right. and talented people. It's just like invite them in. Yeah, we like that idea of the collective mm. creation. You know, I mean, if somebody has a certain area that they specialize in and they do it really, really well, it's like, well, if we can combine forces and create something that we wouldn't have been able to do on our own, well, that's better, right? Yeah, we got exposed to that early with the remix records that we've done. So, you know, you give out the tracks to somebody and they come back with a complete new interpretation. And you said, well, I got to do more of that because it inspires you and you take that in and you feed it into your process. And then it was like, well, why just do it on remix records? Why not bring in, you know, other people to play? 
cadre group of people who just help us on the real records not only just the remix records it's cool because you can either try to control it all or own it all and you don't open yourself up to what's possible for me the best thing is whether i'm sitting with heather or someone else in the band or a musician friend and they add something to what we're working on you just go oh my god i never would have thought of that in my entire life and how cool is that that's with heather I have a very specific way of thinking of vocals and she's like almost orthogonal to it. Hmm. So I'll try something and, and, you know, what about this idea? And I'll, you know, sing it to her. And she goes, well, that's interesting. You know, never tell me that it's horrible when it really probably is. And says, no. and then goes, well, what about this? And then you're just like, great. Thanks. That's perfect. So th- that brings me to, In a good way. <laughs> hey, you know, it's thanks, B. <laughs> you never knew he felt that way before. Don't tell her. When, when you did Eternal, you then did some music videos where it was kind of like an unplugged version of some of your Eternal tracks, which were stunning. Mm. And I'm wondering you. what went into that, getting such, you know, both a perfect audio quality and, and a video out of it and something that looked like you were recording it live. And if you didn't, boy, you really pulled it off really well. So what was involved in, in getting those videos done? They're just amazing. Number one, a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> we spent a lot of time in this studio just practicing before we went in and shot and performed those. And yeah, they were they were live. That was the goal. We were really, really interested in, okay, so we have this whole electronic element that we love so much, but can we take this and make it acoustic? Because, you know, all of us are musicians in that respect as well. And we just said we really hadn't ever done it before. And it sounded like a fun challenge, as well as, you know, a a different kind of artistic path Mm. that we could check out for a second. And also, you know, Eric can play stand-up bass. We hadn't really featured that before. Um, Isaac is, he's so, so gifted on piano. And there's that insane Steinway at Mm. the Dolby Theater. And he was like, absolutely, I want to play it. (laughs) And then, you know, getting Bill to come in on drums and as well as our other friend, Mie Araki from the band Tidelands, she also played on a couple of those tracks with us, drums and percussion. And so it was it was a big challenge, and we we just wanted to take it on and do it. I think maybe we just got bored. You know, I think, you know, we, the, the interesting thing is that in this day and age, a record lives on, but it doesn't live on from its original form. You You roll it out, and then you roll out maybe remixes, and then you roll out maybe an acoustic version of it or some videos. It seems because it's so easy to connect and for someone to go to your website and download it or go to YouTube and see a video, it inspires you to keep the machine going instead of like ramping up and work towards a record and then don't do anything for four years. Mm-hmm. We're excited about the possibility of reinterpreting songs. And we have the players now who can who can do it. It was so funny, you know, in our studio, we're just going to set up a camera upstairs in, in the hallway and record <laughs> yeah. it and just be done with it. And then, you know, we were thinking, well, how are we going to do that? And what's going to be involved? And then we said, well, we could go to this theater and do it. And again, it was meant to be just really lo-fi, like no effort. And 
uh, the director of photography who we use on our videos, um, Greg Slick, he's got these great cameras. And so what we did is we did each song like four or five times. So it was all live and we basically, you know, assembled a, a take from, you know, those four or five different versions, just like you would do in a recording studio. Yeah, and there's multiple camera angles. And... No, this is the funny no? thing. So this is, I love this because people are like, what was that, like a 16-camera shoot? And I, I'd love to show you the video footage sometime. But it was Greg with his single camera and his sort of steady cam, and he would walk over to somebody while they were performing, and then when he got some footage of that done, he'd walk over to somebody else, and then he'd walk over to somebody else, and he would get coverage of the different people. So... If you look at the continual shot during while we're performing, there's Greg Slick walking in between us, stopping, fixing his position. If you, it looks, it's total monkey cam when you see it, but the way that you edit it, it's like you start the edit when he's stopped and he's in position and you stop it before he starts to move. That's what I love about this DIY stuff, which is you can have one guy with a good camera. Who knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And you can get something that comes out like that. I like it because in this day and age, because with studios or cameras or what have you, you're not limited by the quality anymore. You're just limited in how clever you can be with it, right? You That's could probably true. shoot that same video and it would probably look pretty good on an iPhone. That's the funny thing in the last couple of years that you think that, oh my God, it's going to be such an effort and it's going to be so expensive and you have to do all this, you know, crew of 10. It's like, it was us, a recording engineer and the camera guy. And it was shot in an afternoon. And I will say, I did have my friend Christy come in and do my makeup. <laughs> Thank you, Christy Lozinski. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I think I might get over you today. I don't know where I'm going to, but I think I might get over you today. I don't know where I'm gonna be, but I might just be, just be with me today, oh today, because I don't know what else I can do except to move on over to today, today, the one thing that I know is true is only so much I can you want to find a way for me to stay, but it's just not okay. Not okay for you to say whatever you want to say, whatever you want to say. I am not listening any longer. The first record that we did, you know, it was like it had like 16 whole tracks in the mm -hmm. computer. And now, like, this last record, I just completely lost my mind. It's like hundreds of tracks recorded for each <laughs> song. And the thing is, oh, boy, that's great. I can do have 100 tracks. But then when you're done recording, you're like, oh, boy, I've got to deal with 100 tracks and try to figure out how to make them sound good. So yeah. I think some of the things that we're starting to think about now as we move forward is let's go back to the simpler times. You know, it's because it had 10 times more tracks. Doesn't the songs don't mm -hmm. sound 10 times better? And, and that, that could have even been where our whole acoustic fascination came from. We would just we just got that was what we were into last year. We yeah. were just like, oh my God, we have to we gotta strip it all away, take it down, yeah. you know? <laughs> and that's what we're finding that we're doing now because we're writing new songs. And the common theme is turn that off, hmm. take that away. You know, what is the essence of it? And because I'm I tend to pile stuff on and the band now is like, take, turn that off. You know, it's just like, what is really going on here? Do you think some of that comes from uh, having more of a comfort level as a performer, where if you if it's sort of like you're out there a little more, without a lot of digital stuff that you're mixed in with, and just your voice or just your instrument or something, you feel yeah. a little more confident. I about think that's that maybe? you know, I think Heather, you know, saying about the acoustic stuff. I mean, you know, we pared down tracks that on on Eternal were pretty thick pretty uh, dense to a drummer, an acoustic bass. Oh, my God, really? An acoustic bass? Mm -hmm. And a, like acoustic guitar, piano, and, and vocals. And it's just like you can't get much more basic than that. And to have a, have a song come through, that was just, that's just a lot of fun. And so now you're like, what if I were to do that but with the electronic approach? You know, it might not be a piano. It might be a synth. I think it's just looking at different sides of it as well because as – 
someone who works in the electronic genre, like I love a super stacked, crazy track. You know, <laughs> I love it. There's there's that side of me that is like, I was out all night dancing to the DJs. I love it. Are you kidding me? More, 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 harder, faster, do it. So yeah. um, I'm into it. But on the other side, it's like, I think we all have just that, you know, Brett sitting, writing a melody with his acoustic guitar, or me thinking of a melody just out of my head. I've always been a singer since I was a really small little kid. And that's what I used to do when I was tiny, right? I would just walk around singing melodies and making up songs. So I think it's just, you. I think you always have both of those facets and, you know, different ones will bubble up at at different times. And so now I think, I think we're maybe trying to kind of marry those a little bit more and, yeah, and be like, okay, well, let's, let's strip it away, write something, and then, okay, well, what if we did add this extra synth on the top or this glitchy thing underneath here? Do we need that? Do we love it or not? Or should we have dual versions? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a, a mirror in we've some also, yeah, respect. We've been investing in some fun instruments, so we're trying to make this studio more of a fun house. So... A couple years ago, you know, we got a, an actual Rhodes piano and put that in there. And at first it was like, oh, well, you know, hope we play this every once in a while. And it just becomes nothing sounds like that. And then we, you know, started buying Moog synthesizers and some new kinds of guitar effects and some really new microphones. And so what you can do is when you have such great classic instruments and equipment, you can be stripped down. You know, we, we got this Moog and, and Eric started playing it, you know, as a bass instrument as well as another instrument. You know, I, I always had digital synths. It's like, why would I want an old piece of crap like a Moog? And then you hear it and you go like, oh my God, you know, you can do so much with it. Sort of, I guess I'm getting at is you focus on the quality of the instruments and so you can do less with it, right? It's kind of like a single voice with a really great acoustic guitar is just probably, you know, one of the most beautiful things ever. And I do think also it's your evolution as musicians. You know, Eternal was just such a mature album. You know, and mm. I don't mean that like mature, like old, but I mean, it's like, wow, you know, it's kind of everything led to this point, mm. you know, to to have a really kind of an epic album like that. Oh, that's, thank thanks. you. It's interesting to hear that because you have no idea where you're going or what you're doing yeah. when you're there. And even now, I, I, I can't be objective about that record. It's still too new. Recent, yeah. And so I think Heather's probably the same way. It's just like, I still don't know if this is a good record. Mm. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. like, I've got yeah, the yeah. distance of some of the other ones. I'm like, and it sounds kind of silly, but it's like, hey, I kind of like that song. It's like, well, you kind of wrote it. Well, yeah. I know that, but I still kind of <laughs> like it now. So, of of some of the things you did in the past, like, can you name a few things that you're particularly happy with or proud of, or that you that are your favorites of of the things you've done in in the whole spectrum? The music videos that we did, mm-hmm. I was really proud of because. It was, again, it's just, you know, music videos, right? And in the 90s were probably passe, right? Why would you put out a video? And well, now with the internet and YouTube, you can put it out there and everybody can see it. And we had met up with some talented filmmakers. And, and again, this is, it's so funny, but we looked for people on Craigslist. Hmm. We said, we're looking for people who are willing to do some really cool avant-garde filmmaking with some musicians, and here's our website. And it's unbelievable, you know, so we, we did some really cool stuff. So I'm really proud of the music videos that we've done, not only the live ones, but the ones that are more conceptual, you know, that I'm proud of. I'm proud of the new acoustic videos yeah, that we've done. Um, I'm really proud of the holiday songs that we've been doing recently. Oh, yeah. And some of the performances that we've done have just been really, I mean, it's, it's, it's all pretty fun. Um, being able to finish a record that's always really great yes <laughs> yeah when do you finally say oh i'm gonna let this go it's done it's really funny but because we're we control our destiny you know it's like we're self-produced we're self-recorded most of the time you stop recording when you run out of money or budget or the label tells you to put it out and the thing that I'm really happy about is we've never put out anything that we weren't 100% satisfied with. So we put it out when we say, I, I, I'm not going to complain about anything on this. It's as good as we could have done. Because uh, in the past when I didn't have that control, when I was working with on um, budgets and, and under the direction of some label or something like that, it was, it's done. And I still can't listen to that stuff because it's not what I intended. And I became a producer because I couldn't find a producer who could hear what I heard. 
And so I was just like, well, I guess I guess I got to do it. And that was, you know, a hard process, but I love it now. Well, you have to own everything, including the stuff that you're not as happy with. Mm-hmm. And how do you change it, you know, yeah. and, and being open to, you know, a big part of, I think what we do is we'll ask each other, is this good? Does, does everybody like it? And people feel comfortable to speak up and say, I don't really like that. And, you know, there's plenty of stuff and times when that's gone on. And I like that sense of security. Whereas, you know, if I come up with an idea, there's so many times when I've, you know, maybe come up with a song idea or Heather's come up with a vocal idea and we'll kind of look at each other's like, is this any good? Should we just stop, throw it away? And sometimes the answer is like, not happening for me. Mm-hmm. And there's other times where it's just like, are you crazy? That's really cool. And so that's what's really fun, too, is just like you just have this comfort level because, you know, nobody in the band is an a-hole. And that's, you know, that's not by mistake. <laughs> right. But we like hanging out. You know, it's fun. You know, yeah. there's, and people don't scream at each other. It's just like I wouldn't yeah. know what that would be like. And it's probably why the music sounds the way it does is because it conveys the, the emotion and the feeling of the people, the personalities of the people. You know. People like each other. That helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And well, you spend other. a lot of time together, you know, right. so you got to enjoy the people that you're putting all that effort in with. And there's a substantial lack of ego. I think people are confident, but they're not egotistical here, which I, which is nice. Well, we did talk a little bit about your musical inspirations, but not really. Like besides being inspired originally by Massive Attack, were there other bands that were, you know, and especially in the early days or even now that you think, wow, I'm, I really like what they're doing and it gives me some ideas? I think there's definitely a handful of artists that, you know, I'm inspired by and B's inspired by. And sometimes they're, sometimes you can hear their influence, but they don't necessarily have to be in like, in our genre to influence us, you know, like we love, we both really love Fleetwood Mac, <laughs> you know, and you wouldn't necessarily hear Fleetwood Mac in our songs, but, yeah. you know, but some of the, some of the, the elements. Stevie Nicks era earlier. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, you know, just like beautiful vocal harmonies, just very lush instrumentation, gorgeous, uh, evocative lyrics, stuff like that. Others, for for me personally, more in the electronic genre, um, I certainly love Goldfrap. Of course, I love Portishead, mm-hmm. of course. Yes. <laughs> um, Thievery Corporation. I definitely love Sia mm. and Zero Seven. And, um, and lately, the past couple years, I've been utterly obsessed with Bat for Lashes. <laughs> mm. I think she is just absolutely genius. Um, I love, love, love her. Way, you know, someone that I've loved for a long time, regardless of genre, is Tori Amos, is one of my favorite songwriters and and singers, along with Kate Bush. And I also love Ann Wilson from Heart. (laughs) Those would be some some top vocal vocal gals for me. You know, more genius, absolute genius. Both Ann and Nancy. Yes. Can't go wrong. Neat. And what about you? Um... Well, I love the Beatles, but that's like, who doesn't, right? I love well, Actually, too. some people don't. You know, now there were some people who, when Paul McCartney won mm. an award last year, they were like, who is that guy? Who is that old guy? Yeah. Um, but more modern stuff, it's like, I loved Peter Gabriel in his earlier, darker stuff. So that's where some of the darkness comes from. I just love that. Mm-hmm. And his sense of um, imagery that he creates with his lyrics, you know. You know, I think he had a line in one of his songs where he says, you know, I speak in pictures and not in words. You blew my mind, man. (laughs) I love the police, you know, because they were doing some interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a huge Miles Davis fan. You know, that sort of comes out. If if there was one record, only one record I could listen to for the rest of my life, if I was put on that desert island, it would be kind of blue. And that record actually had a lot of influence on our first record because it's a modal record in terms of the the composition skills or or tools. It doesn't change chords. It stays in one sort of modality. And I was just like, well, if I'm going to make music that nobody's going to hear and it's only for me, I'm going to kind of do my own kind of modal electronic thing. I'm a big fan of Radiohead. I love the fact that they basically threw their guitars, you know, in a grinder and and started playing around with synths, you know. And Kid A was just just a seminal record for me. I just love that. It was a good album, Massive Attack, of course, big fan of that. Tricky's first record, fantastic record. You know, Thievery Corporation and Zero Seven, other people there. Pretty much like everything but modern country music <laughs> this is my, my, my only thing i can't 
really get down with. Drum and bass was an influence on you in the beginning. Yeah, you know? it was. In, I love that, and I like taking some of the the more higher energy genres like German bass or um, even some of the new stuff, you know, that Skrillex does. And like halving the tempo, it's one of my tricks is take something that should be at 140 beats per minute or 160 and you cut it the tempo in half and suddenly there's this openness. So it's like I did that a lot in the past, take a drum and bass sound or, or, or beat and you just cut it in half and suddenly it becomes frozen in amber and all this amazing essence that gets covered up in the fact that it's really high tempo opens up. And when I started doing that, I, we do that a lot. We take instruments and drop them down by two octaves. So something that might sound really interesting way up high is suddenly now, you know, very, it's a bass hmm. sound. Or take something that's fast, make it slow. And that's what's so fun with the computer as an instrument is you can unfold things. You can tear them apart. You can expose things that, that weren't there before. It's actually a good way of defining your music too, is that you're taking things that you've heard before, but you do something different with them. Yeah. That was the intention from day the one. The lab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Create huh. sounds, whether they're real or not, that are interesting. Because every song, for us, we want you to listen to it and go, I've never heard that before. Whether it's a drum sound or a synth sound or a guitar sound. And then I want to put some of the most emotionally compelling vocals that we can on top of it. Mm -hmm. So you're surprised by it and challenged by it. But then the vocals and, you know, humans and the voice is so intimate that you can put somebody in sort of an interesting place, but the vocals lock you down to the center of the emotion. And so that's always what we're trying to do, which is on the electronic stuff is make you kind of go, hmm, have your ears prick up a little bit. You're, you're sold with the, with the vocals. You're so solid on the vocals and it does draw you in emotionally now. I mean, like, I'm not listening any longer. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that just floored me. Mm. Oh. That's such a good song. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, there's many, and it's not like there was a personal thing that I got from that. It was mm -hmm. really just the emotion you put into it. Mm -hmm. It was just like, wow, that's so real. It's all raw. That must have been hard to, um, when you sang that acoustically, to do five takes. Yes, <laughs> yeah. definitely. I, that, I, was, I was definitely a little bit stressed about that one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, how can I, I got to hit this on the head, you know, yeah. it's got to be, I got to nail it. it has you to did. Be just right. Thank you. Yeah. That's an example. We love that song. <laughs> yeah. Of always recording. So we don't throw away anything. I remember that we had that track and yep. Heather came in on a Sunday and she's, I kind of got, it's it's the way it always works with us. I kind of got an idea and I'm like, we'll go in the vocal booth and let's put it down. And so she put that song down three quarters of it in that afternoon and it mm. was just like where did that come from because yeah. it's so emotional and i don't think we had a second verse for that no and we re we wrote one and we recorded that damn thing like 30 times oh to try God. to match the original take yeah we just mm. could not get the same just the air just wasn't the same just off a little bit. And we were like, are we just going to have to make this a song that's just like one verse, a chorus, and goodbye? Like, you know, it was, we were wow. like, oh, my God, how are and we going to get it? You hear stories about people saying that, oh, yeah, we just couldn't get it. And you're like, please. But once you experience it, you're like, there's some magic that was on that day and that time. You know, we, on our second record, there's a song called Awaken. And that was another one where mm -hmm. I had it and Heather came in. She's like, I'm going on vacation and I got this idea. I want to put it down before I forget it. And she recorded the song and she said, oh, you know, I'll redo it later. And we listened to it and I was like, you're not redoing anything. That was perfect. And I think it's because it's a throw off that you're not Yeah, you're so not worried stressed. about it. You're not trying to make it the final take. So you let go a lot more every now and then. We'll just catch it just right, you know? <laughs>
interesting thing about um, that song was um, the piano part on it, I believe. I was sitting noodling around in the studio, and it had this great, like, it was this haunted piano, and it was because the the keyboard that I had had sort of hiccuped and had gone into some weird, bizarre mode where it was out of tune, and it was, and I was playing these very simple chords, and they were coming out very complex and very dark, and when I, you know, recorded, like, wow, that's really cool, and then rebooted the computer, rebooted the synthesizer, and I played it again, and it was like these really happy major chords. I'm like, what happened? And what it was is like a cosmic ray or something hit that thing, and it was like, <laughs> you would never play these chords normally in your life, but because I've gone into some crazy mode. And then I had to sit down and try to figure out how you actually played it on a piano. So it sounded like the, you know, this piano from outer space that sort of came from I don't know, the universe, it was like, but because I record, otherwise I would have, it would have been gone forever. It's like, always record. If it's sounding good, press record button. You should never be away from some sort of a recordable device. Yeah. Even if it's an iPad or something. Well, fortunately yeah. with the iPhones, like now yeah. it's so easy. And I mean, that is so helpful. Yeah. Voice memo, the greatest app ever. <laughs> and actually the quality gets better and better with each phone they come out with. So it's yeah. not too cool. terrible. It's quite good. You're right, though. The iPhone has really changed a lot for oh everyone gosh. in terms of having so many things at your disposal to for your creativity. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. The, well, the funny thing is that the cover from Eternal, Heather shot on an iPhone while she was walking through Golden Gate Park. Huh, cool. The fun hipstamatic app. Do you have like a another album in the works or you want to just be playing live this year or remixes or what's next so we're in remix mode every time i do a remix record i promise myself i'm never going to do another one (laughs) because it's like herding cats herding cats (laughs) no 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 and so we had a bunch of people remix um this one of the songs from eternal called love will turn your head around and we had eight different people remix it and they're all different so what i want to do is release that sort of like this remix package. And then we said, well, let's have people remix the other song. So we'll put that out probably in the spring um, because people just do great stuff. And you just like, I have to put this out. People have to hear this. I yeah. love remix records. Yeah, I do too. They, it, It's so much fun. It completely breathes new life into the songs that you wrote. It's, it makes me really enjoy listening to our stuff. It's the power of collaboration. There's no way that we could think of these interpretations that these incredible artists do for us. I get a total rush out of it. I love it. As you know, as challenging as it may be to put the whole project together, it, it is so worth it. It's always a total joy once it's all put together. And it's, it's very fun to share. So. And then we're not performing right now. We're focusing on some new stuff. Mm-hmm. We we're kinda, in creation mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're kind of sitting back and thinking, well, what would we want it to sound like? I think we got inspired by the acoustic stuff, mm-hmm. a new simplicity. And so we're kind of playing around with some ideas. And again, the, the holiday songs allowed us to... It's interesting when you focus in on one song and you don't have to don't have the pressure of... An entire, an entire record. You just songs, kind of, like, yeah. you know, we're going to work on this song for two or three weeks. And then you put it out. It's like, well, what is it about that? Well, what about that process was so much fun? Just focus a little bit. It did. I think, I think it took the edge off and... It, it really did allow us to play and have a lot of fun and try. We did a couple incarnations of Baby It's Cold Outside, our most recent holiday cover. And and because of that, we were able to get to the version that we released that we mm. all just felt, you know, a million percent excited about. We had a really, really good time with that. So I think that could be a fun model for our future songwriting, mm-hmm. playing with, you know, one or two tracks at a time and letting giving ourselves a couple months for just one or two tunes and yeah. see what happens. But allowing ourselves that space to do that, I feel like we were able to get all four of our creative energies were pretty evenly mixed in that. And aligned, yeah. And it was neat. It was really fun. So have you ever been approached for or looked into at all any kind of licensing, like uh, film soundtracks, oh, yeah, commercials, anything like that? Yeah, we've, have? we've got people who we work with and oh, we've had do. stuff in TV mm-hmm. shows and okay. movies. And we wrote a soundtrack for an uh, uh, independent filmmaker here in San Francisco a couple years back. 
What um, film was it? It was called Voyeur. I think it's um, available on, you know, instant <laughs> access on a cable system someplace. Not easy to find. Then, Not yeah. easy to find, yeah. but um, it was a lot of fun and it's a lot of work. Like mm. we scored the entire movie. And so you're writing, you know, for to 90 minutes of, of film and it's just, it's really hard because the beat has to stop when the editor cuts the scene, which is not a limitation you have with the song. So you're like, it's like, okay, I got to make this piece of music, you know, 97.2 beats per minute for 30 seconds and it's got to stop. So it's a, it's a different challenge. You know, we'd like to do more of it, have more of our stuff in, in movies, maybe not do soundtracks per se, but. We have some upcoming oh, yeah, placements. Right. The final titles have not been completely decided yet, so we can't we can't tell you what you it is say. because we don't know yet. That's definitely a sector of major interest for us. We love it. So excellent. So, is there anything else you want to discuss or talk about? Thanks for your support. Thank you so much. It really means a lot that that you asked us to come and talk with you today. Oh. It's a total pleasure. It's my pleasure <laughs> as well. I've I've loved your music for a long time, and uh, thank you for sharing your music with us. I really can't stay.